Hi everyone, welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons. Today, we're discussing how to schedule your good times. Do you find yourself being tied up a little too often? But first, we're here to discuss the game Power Outage with our good friend, Beebs. Okay, uh, that, that's about as much talk show host impersonation as I can do. Um, Beebs, it, it's lovely to have this one-to-one -one chat. Um, how you been doing? I've been doing okay. Yeah, a little bit tired. Doing a couple different jobs, but other than that, I'm doing all right. It's good to hear, man. Now, um, for people who have not been paying attention to really important good stuff, we have been playing uh, your latest adventure that you're drafting at the moment, um, or yep. writing or, or creating, whichever word you want to put to it, uh, in your game Power Outage. Tell me, what is Power Outage all about? Well, Power Outage is a uh, role-playing game, a uh, tabletop role-playing game designed to be played with kids. Um, but it's still a lot of good fun for adults, so long as they don't mind a ton of puns and kind of silliness. It's a heroes-based game, um, and it's got its own unique set of mechanics and lore and everything like that. Um, uh, I can I can vouch that it is a lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun playing it with you. Um, you're, you're running us through the the breakfast adventure. Um, I, I would say probably what well, one thing I've kind of noticed is this is a good fun game. I like the fact that what you've done is you've taken really you you've kind of stripped something like D and D down to its bare bones and then put different meat on create a very different kind of being which is something i really appreciate because if i had to say something this is one where the where the adult in the room needs to know the rules reasonably well in order to say you know do things like create the character um run an adventure all those kind of things um would that be fairly accurate I would say so, uh, especially if you're playing with young, a younger crew of kids. Um, I try to, as often as possible, to scale how much the DM has to manage, um, so that way you can play the game with a bunch of different kids. But on the whole, yeah, you should have an idea. I, I hope I have made, uh, I've laid it out easily enough that it's easy to pick up, read, and start playing pretty quickly. I think it is. I think in the review that I left on, I think it was, was it RPG drive through or DMs Guild? I think you did DMs yeah. Guild. Um, I said the only thing I would love to see uh, that for me would make it better was like a character creation tool, say, on the website. But I also realized that's kind of giving away a lot of your intellectual property straight up. And I was like, eh. No, actually, I, I do have plans on... A bunch of different things, including, um, you know, a huge overhaul of my website because my website is pre Kickstarter and my Kickstarter finished off almost a year ago or over a year ago. Um, but I've just been heavily invested in actually the production of the book that I haven't really touched the website as much. Um, but also eventually I'd like to develop an app at some point. That would be pretty uh, cool. Like a supplement. Yeah. Excellent. So I should have probably asked at the start. Where did the idea for Power Outage come from? Well, I uh, actually, it was a combination. So my 
My daughters uh, stole my dice. Uh, and I figured if I wanted to get them back in any way that um, was uh, that was enjoyable, that I'd have to develop a game, or I'd have to play a tabletop game with them. Uh, at the time, I was only really familiar with um, uh, Dungeons & Dragons 4E. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, hey, I, I started with that system, so I love it. Um, but I started, and uh, I wanted to see what I could do for them. And I looked around, and I wasn't seeing that much out there. So uh, we started developing a game on our own. Uh, and originally it was called Power Girls. Um, and we actually started playing it during a power outage. So uh, actually cool. during Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. So we, uh, we started playing it and they had a blast. And then I decided at one point I'd like post it to Reddit, see uh, what people thought. And they're like, oh, yeah, this is great. Um, where can we buy it? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know how to do that. I, I, I so, assume people were posting that picture of Fry, like, you know, shut up and take my money. Uh, a couple of them were. Yeah, a couple of them were really interested. Um, so I decided to kind of uh, strip the Power Girls angle from it. And, you know, uh, call it, we called it Power Outage. And we kind of kept on developing it from there. And it's been a almost five-year-long process of tweaking and adjusting and figuring out what we want in the uh, game and then testing. That is... Which for them was just playing with their dad, so... Admittedly, that's probably the cheapest testers you could get. I I assume they were were paid in, like, juice and potato chips. They're they're not the cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you gotta you know you gotta accommodate you know, school. You gotta feed them. You gotta you know clothe them, shelter them. It's it's as as far as testers go, they're they're pretty ingrained. Yeah, I, I, yeah. that's actually a good point. I mean, just 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 pray they don't unionize. Then then you're really up a creek without a boat. Yeah, absolutely. But that's that's really cool. Like that's that's a really cool example of like adversity producing art. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was great, and you know it was. Uh, I wanted to play a game with my kids, and I realized that a lot of other people would want to do the same. I mean, it's uh, it was a big thing, and then as soon as I started playing it, um, I think it was my daughter that started asking me. You know, it's like, well, how would somebody play? How would somebody read the dice if they were blind? Actually, and the, that. That was actually when I first like started looking into that kind of stuff, and I discovered uh, Dots RPG and and their project to create Braille dice and such. Um, and I was like just fascinated by the idea. Um, so I went to a convention near me, uh, and uh, kind of there was a, a panel on creating accessibility, and I was like, "This is exactly what I want to do in the game." Um, Excellent. That's really cool. So man. yeah, so. I would say as, as someone who's very in the um, the fifth ed of, of Dungeons and Dragons, um, and I started out on second, so I can remember Thacko. It was terrible. Um, I would say like when I went through the DMs Guild and whatnot, there's not a lot for kids. There's like maybe one or two. And so when I was introducing my eight-year-old, who was seven at the time, to TTRPGs, I had to start out with 5th Ed and I had to write 
an adventure that was like, okay, what kind of character class do you want to be? And and that's great, but A, I could never publish it because it's a mess. Um, and B, I don't think 5th Ed is a great game to start 7 or 8-year-olds out on. I would actually say this is a far better product. And there's a lot of things in that. Like, unless you're going to really heavily modify 5th Ed for a kid, there's some fairly problematic content in there. Like, goblins, killing. Um, right. And, and it comes down to the thing of like, okay, how much stuff am I okay with them having? Whereas power outage answers the question of what do you do with death? And it's like, well, it's not in this. We, we don't deal with it. We deal with it by not having it. Yeah. And, uh, and actually yeah, that, was a, that was a product of learning too. Um, I was, when I was early on in my testing, um, so I have powers and then I have standard attacks and, uh, I, at the time didn't have any kind of mechanic to replenish your powers. So as soon as I also didn't have a very good, uh, balancing on, um, hit damage versus, um, lifespan of creatures. So, uh, my kids ran out of powers very quickly and then they were literally kicking a robot to death. <laughs> and my wife was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can see where you, we'd have a problem with that. This, so, this needs work. Yeah, we, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, look, so. that's, that's good. And I, and I like it for those reasons. But I mean, also, when you look at Dungeons and Dragons and things like, you know, people have very serious misgivings around orcs and goblins and the question of race. And I think they're valid. I think they're very valid. Um, and in this, you can really easily just say, these are people, these are your neighbors. These are people who are your friends. And so you can actually have a really good, lovely, heartwarming time. And I think if you start kids Perfect. on the right path early, then, you know, good. That's the goal. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying not to build a generation of murder hobos. So, um, uh, a big thing is getting kids to understand that uh, things like violence isn't always the answer to explore their surroundings, to explore what options they have available to them. Um, and that's why I kind of heavily load a lot of alternatives to violence. Aside from the fact that alternative as a component um, that contrasts combat you know, as a one-for-one one, even within combat, you have this option of, if you want to, to talk it out with whoever you're fighting. And so long as you're not attacking them, you could actually de-escalate the situation. Um, and it's a three-hit thing. So if you succeed in de-escalating three times, um, you win. Now, that's is that overpowered? Then yes. And like I think words should be overpowered. So um, that, that is a lovely quote that, for a T-shirt. Words should be overpowered. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for the red bubble. <laughs> um, I, I mean, you can also hit people with bins, and you can also throw people, and I appreciate those. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to, you got to mix it up. Yeah. yeah. I. I that's the, sorry. No, no, no. Cool. I was going to say I appreciated a lot um, in our game. A you did not take vengeance on me for breaking the puzzle that you worked for a long time on. <laughs> Sorry. Still feel terrible about that. Um, 
and, and, and B, you were quick enough on your feet with a nice, flexible, but, but very strong system in able to say, okay, Josh, you can pick up a bin and try and restrain someone with it. You can pick someone up and throw it, but you know, these people are going to move. Um, and even the combination thing's really, really cool. Like when, um, and spoilers, people, uh, stuff happens. It's great. Um, when Jacob teleported my character into the air so he could, you know, fall down punching someone because he is a bombardier. Aha. Um, that was great. And I like the fact that you've got a system that is like, this is what you can do. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. Uh, try to allow kids to be what they want. Try to allow as often as possible to allow kids to do what they want. Um, and not make it so much about the mechanics as just getting a sense of I'm doing something, you know? Um, and I hope that that plays through with the, the play style. I think it does. And I mean, one thing I commented on um, that I really liked is the combat system in this. It's it's similar enough to D&D in that you roll a d20 and you add other numbers. But what I loved was the other person rolls a d20 and they add a number to it as well. So you've got a constant engagement. Was that something you found out the hard way? Uh, it wasn't hard as much as um, I was trying to figure out, uh, actually when I was considering accessibility options and how do you, how do you keep uh, a person that is easily distracted entertained um, when it's not their turn? And a big thing is um, cutting down the time it takes for rounds and um, providing actionable um, things for people to do when it's not their turn, um, whether that be things like scorekeeping, even doodling. Like people always say like like are against doodling during uh, sessions, which is to me ridiculous because like that's their mind just exploring the story that you're telling which is fantastic so getting people to do stuff as often as much as they can in the game is key so um yeah the idea of having both people engaged um was important and also the idea of like when you have a set number um in your mind the character or the event that you're taking an action against it becomes that number so you're not fighting a large dragon you're fighting a large number and i didn't want that kind of uh in the person's mind i wanted there always to be that level of variability but at the same time i also wanted the dice to mean something so it's basically loaded rolls um hopefully that works out i mean i know that it creates such a swing while you're playing but people have so far enjoyed it so yeah and well they should because it's a very very well designed game and, and it plays very very nicely um now i i had a question that i wrote on here and you mentioned it took five years from beginning to product release what is the hardest say yes, okay what, what, what is the hardest mm-hmm. part of getting a product to market or a product like uh, this to market, I should say, be be specific and everything. To uh, money, I mean, okay. I, I hate to say it. I hate to say it. Um, the honest truth is, um, you can have 
every good intention. Um, but what it boils down to is how, uh, how sustainable what you're working on is, is, um, related to primarily money. Um, and I guess for me, it was luck because, um, I had, uh, you know, when I kickstarted, I kickstarted with a, a set number and I like coordinated everything with the people that I was working with. And in the end, I realized, and we all realized, um, that it wasn't going to be enough. And then they just kept pushing through. Um, and that I can't like, I can't, I can't come up with an answer for that, you know, cause if my designer hadn't been as dedicated as she was, there wouldn't be a power outage as we've seen it now. It would be a much, it, the mechanically it'd be the same, but as far as visually, it'd be far reduced. Um, so, but I mean, it's, it's other things too. I mean, the sustainability over the long run, I mean, um, having the, funds that I would need to create supplementals to pay artists, to pay designers, to pay editors and stuff like that. That's just, I mean, and, and also, I mean, the, uh, when I released, I was hoping that the, um, the book itself would be funding me enough that this could feel like a second job so that I'm doing this as my second job every night. Um, when that didn't pan out, now I have to get a second job. So I'm working two jobs and now I'm designing after 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that hampers your creativity, it hampers your exhaustion, it pushes your timelines out and all that wouldn't happen if you had a lot of cash to kind of just <laughs> throw at your problems, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I'd say that. I mean, like, you have desire, you have, you know, you have um, creativity, you have all these things. But at the end of the day, you can have all of those things. But if you don't have the funding to support you, then unfortunately, that really does hamper you. And I hate to be like that, like your first episode and say it's money. But no. for me, it was Look, I, I'd rather... I'd rather a level of honesty because, I mean, when I look at, um, say, you know, doing a podcast, for me, it comes down to time. But I also realize, you know, if I was making a certain amount of money per episode, I would pay someone to do the editing for me. Right. And that would give me yeah. more time to do other stuff. Like I've got stuff that I want to bring to market, but it's like, I would have to spend so much time learning a bunch of skills that I just don't have because I realize I don't want to make a loss on a project. But then again, I can't like put a dollar, like a billable value on my own time, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Like right now I'm de developing a supplemental, um, creating this adventure for the core guidebook. I don't have necessarily the uh, artistic capability to draw something that looks like a helicarrier. Uh, it really just looks like a box with four circles around it. Um, if I had the means to hire a person, I would. But then I now have to do these mental calculations of, 
well, if I'm investing the $400 commercial cost that it might be for having an artist design a single map for this adventure, and this adventure has four to five maps on it, and, you know, in the end, I'm selling this product for $5 at a pop and making two off of that for every sale, uh, it'll take years, if not never, um, recuperating the amount that I put into it. It impacts you. I mean, it impacts you hard. And like, even though the adventure helps build upon a library, which encourages people to invest in your primary game and invest in your future projects, um, it slows you down, it slows you down a lot. Mm. So I wish there was a, I wish there was a magic, uh, you know, a magic power for that. Uh, I'd but, also point out having two, sorry, having three children as you do and a wife. Yeah. And it's like, okay, I've got to manage eight hours at one job, eight hours at another, being a nice and wonderful human being at home being a, a a dad with all that entails it's like yeah that's it's that in itself is exhausting and then it's like okay and have two side hustles it's like oh mother of god yeah and then you don't get an opportunity to squeeze in like time at the gym or anything like that yeah so i, uh, I can understand that yeah <laughs> I, I, so, I i i want to one day have the body of a heavy lifter rather than the body of a heavy reader like i do and you know, I hate I hate the idea of having to monetize your passions, but um, when you want to create something that you feel is uh, a product that requires the value that you want to invest in it, then you realize that money is involved, so you have to find you know you find a way, I guess. Yeah. And it takes time; it takes it stretches your projects out. I mean, I'm now six months out from my release and still working on my first adventure just just about getting towards the uh first rough draft and i still owe uh my thousand dollar backer a private adventure just for him um so i've got a long road ahead of me before i can even start making supplementals that could potentially bring um you know finances back into this i also do want to point out the fact that you bring up you know i've got this person that i need to make sure that i take care of the obligations that i have dude that that is that is very much that's really cool that's really good of you like you know honor your obligations kids back up your bullshit i try i mean the guy i mean listen kickstart kickstarter backers are a these high-end Kickstarter backers are a different species that seems to be elevated above us because I don't know how they're willing to invest as much as they do into a passion that they love and be willing to have such, uh, like, godlike patience in waiting for any kind of return on their investment, um, if at all. Uh, I mean, they're rolling, they're rolling a D20 and hoping for a critical and, um, like you can't not want to, 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 I I do have questions as to anyone who has more than say $150 to put into a Kickstarter, which I think is about the maximum I've ever done. 
which was for a um, for a game called Pathologic. It's a Russian horror game. They came with a board game because, and I thought, I want the board game. I really want the board game. And and I had to justify to myself like, oh man, am I gonna? How many times am I gonna play this game? Am I gonna get the value out of it? So for someone to put down like thousand or in the case of another project I know about, put down five thousand dollars. It's like, how do you yeah. earn that? What I, what I, life are you be living? Single. <laughs> be single. Yeah. <laughs> be single. Saying. Don't reproduce. Yeah. Uh, uh, have have. Uh, I mean, this guy's the the guy that was my thousand dollar backer was great because he. Um, saw what I was trying to do and wanted to do something for his community, wanted to bring something to the table for uh, kids in his area. So that's why he backed it. And I, that's excellent. I mean, that's, that's that, that person's that's, actually lovely. <laughs> yeah. That's a person that you want to make sure succeeds. You know, that's a person that you want to make sure um, you honor. By, Absolutely. by putting your effort towards That's very cool. So now, um, I can. I'm, I'm going to read out a couple of questions that we received sure. when I asked for questions. Um, Bill from Escape This Podcast, who I've also spoken to on Skype and, and I hope to get on here one day. Hi, Bill um, and Danny. Hey, guys. Um, power outage is designed to be kid-friendly. How does that affect the complexity of rule sets and mechanics? If you were designing so, a more... Oh, we'll, tell, oh, we'll do sorry. this one, then oh. I'll ask you the second question. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Um, so with kids, um, you have a much greater expectation for variability. Um, a kid that is two years, you know, two kids that are two years apart uh, might make a difference of um, reading and not reading. Um, so a big component to designing a game that is... Uh, accessible to kids is modularity and differentiation. Um, so being able to compartmentalize all the components of your adventure into self-sustainable uh, things that you can add or subtract from is important. And being able to differentiate the game uh, as you're playing it so that uh, two kids could technically be playing different games, but um, providing towards the same outcome. Uh, so there is a reduction sometimes in complexity, but it's not just... It, a reduction of complexity isn't uh, necessarily dumbing it down for the kids. It is reducing um, the amount of uh, number crunching so that you as the GM could, in essence, support kids to their fullest as you're playing. Um, so for instance, if I limit the number of powers that possible powers that a kid can have to six, then I am multiplying six by the number of players that I have. And rather than like from a mechanical standpoint, uh, this breakout that I did, um, between, uh, the effect of the power versus what they're actually doing, I've reduced it further. So rather than, um, having a database of a thousand powers that I have to mentally catalog. I have a quantity of 26 combat powers of, you know, whatever the number is of combat powers of utility powers. So, so 
So it's easier for me to keep track of mentally, but it's also easier for me to refer back to because I know what tables I'm pulling from. Um, if I'm limiting the number of, uh, of options, but increasing the variability from a storytelling aspect, then I'm creating that feeling of I can do any that sandbox feeling mm. while not necessarily creating a level of complexity that is too hard to manage. Um, so I can say, okay, this kid does not have the ability to read, but I can create cards for them and they could select their powers. Uh, so long as they can point to the symbol and I can create a duplicate set of cards for myself, then I know exactly what they're trying to cast or what they're trying to, to, to do. Um, but this kid has the ability to read, so I'm going to allow them to do what they're what they, they want to do. This kid doesn't know anything about this, um, you know, the powers. They just want to do something cool. So what do they want to do? Well, if they want to do this kind of thing, okay, I could, I could kind of shuffle that into one of the powers that they have available to them. So it's all about creating a differentiated setting that each kid can contribute to, but still kind of in the end, they're building towards the same narrative. Excellent. No, I think that's good. I was actually just thinking about cards and how they'd work with my character, uh, the Bombardier. Like one card would be him jumping. Another card would be like a fist with an explosion. Like that. that is admittedly all he knows how to do. <laughs> Move and oh, hit stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's why I... I, I start you off um, oh, and throw people. with two powers. Yeah, I start you off with two powers. By level two, you double that. So, like, it's it's a... Uh, in a way, it emulates some of what you're familiar with with um, video games. Uh, you know, you start off with your tutorial phase, but then quickly jump into, like, the next level, and it's just an increase of what you can do. Um, but there's a cap, so it it's manageable. That's cool. Um, the second part of the question is, if you were designing a more adult-slash-teen-oriented game, would rule sets become more complex, or is simplicity a good guideline for all ages? Can I can I just put something in here? Something you said yeah. uh, during one of our sessions. I don't know if this was recorded, but it's it has burned its way into my brain. You were talking about when you were running a game of Power Adage at a con, and there was a guy who was just, I'm going to be somewhat impolite who is just being a vegetable at the table who's being very passive wasn't really investing in it and your response was hey man you get out what you put into this situation i would say it's like okay in our game we are all adults um most of us emotionally tyler um <laughs> I should stop beating up on him. It's He's wrong. great. Um, yeah. Tyler's a lovely person. I, 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 I like him very much. We're good friends. Um, and I make fun of him because that's how Australians work. Um, we're adults playing this game. And I wouldn't say that it feels dumbed down at all. I don't think it needs more complexity. So I, I wanted to put that out there. Like we're having fun because we're having fun. We're having fun because we're throwing yeah. bins at people. We're having fun because we're slam dunking each other into enemies. And it's good fun. Yeah, I, I think that guy that I was playing with, I was actually, um, before DMing for him, I was playing in a game with him. And he had the same attitude in that setting. If it wasn't, like, there was, this was a guy where 
if it wasn't I am crawling through a dungeon and chopping the heads off of goblins and disarming traps, then I don't, I'm not interested in it. Um, uh, you know, this this girl was running a lovely game um, that had a bit of quirkiness, a bit of, a bit of silliness. She occasionally messed up, and that guy's response was always going to be negative. So, um, But that being said, I didn't discount his feelings. If he felt like the game wasn't, you know, active enough for him, then, you know, I took that and saw what I could do. I improved a little bit. I think one of the things I took away from that, actually, was asking more questions of the players. Um, so when I played with you guys, I, I wanted to, I asked you guys to describe your surroundings. I asked you guys to tell me what you guys are doing rather than feeding the narrative to you. And part of that was also because I was... You know, cons are a different beast altogether. You're you're trying to get through. You're trying to get through, uh, you know, a long adventure in four hours. So there's some railroading that occurs almost naturally if you want to like let characters move forward. Um, but on the whole, I mean, you know, there's only so much you can do for people who are like set in their ways about, you know, never split the party, always follow the, you know, so. Yeah. It is what it is. I, I, um, I've, I've been at one of those tables when we were doing the mine of um, Fandelver, is it? Okay. Cool. Thank you. And I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not confirming that for you. Oh, oh good, good, uh, good. My, it's, it's the Lost Mines people. I don't remember if it's Fandelver or Fandolin. Don't at me. Okay. <laughs> um, but we were going like room to room like a SWAT team. Mm. And admittedly, it does take a lot of the fun out of it. When you approach yeah. it like a video game, it's like, no, we shouldn't. We should be goofing. Yeah. And that's actually... So I am actually planning on developing a adult version of Power Outage uh, called uh, Power Outage Neon Knights. Um, but okay. I Is am that Knights with a K? It's uh, <laughs> Knight... Like, in my head, I'm envisioning, envisioning it. If I'm doing this sign up in neon. It, the K is flickering on and off. Um, nice. As far so so the K is kind of there or not there. Yeah. Um, the and it's actually time. kind of a play on uh, Baywatch nights. Um, so it will be as campy as I can make it. It'll be as uh, you know, like uh, it's over the top, overblown monsters of the week kind of deal. Um, I already like as, this. Uh, as far as uh, complexity goes, I don't. I like the level of complexity that I've built into um, the play, so I don't want to modify that all that much, and I don't think it's necessary because it doesn't, as it stands, doesn't detract from the storyline. Uh, if I am building, so there's an expectation that if you're going to release a new game or you're going to release something that there has to be some kind of components that are different, some kind of mechanics that kind of add or change, change up the atmosphere. Um, I can see, uh, creating trackable, um, uh, mechanics that occur in the game that is outside of, um, like the standard play. But still, like it adds to the game, it changes up the element, um, but it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, add too much complexity to the actual playthrough. Like as you're as you're playing the game, I, I was thinking of 
some kind of uh, honor system where you're like gaining notoriety or you're slipping towards one side or the other as you play becoming less or more heroic or less or more beastly that kind of reminds me of um i think it's the fate system where you've got to have interactions with um or the call of cthulhu system i know there's a system out there where you level up by just using your skills and in some cases you level up by failing because that's what you learn from and, it, oh, and nice. admittedly, part of me is like, that's counterintuitive, but it's really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's why I wanted to have weaknesses built into not only the villains, but also the heroes. I wanted to explore that because, again, like, I think I think a, you can't be truly heroic if you're not, um, if you're not uh, going into things knowing that you have weaknesses. A person that is... Uh, invincible isn't being as brave as a person that goes into something without with, without the knowledge of how it'll impact them. This is kind of why I think Batman is, is cooler than Superman. It's like, well, Superman, he's got one weakness, a green rock. If you don't have that, you're screwed. Batman, right. you could shoot him in a head. <laughs> Done. Yeah, and he's got a little hole where his mouth, mouth yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. So you know, he's, he, he's yeah, horrible. He, Punch him in the teeth. Uh, I think when I was playing with my daughters, um, one of them was Electric Girl, and one of them was Animal Girl, and they were in that same Gorbachev diner. Hmm. And um, Electric Girl's uh, uh, weakness is water. Uh, so there is Animal Girl, and she's surrounded by these large breakfast monsters, and next round they're going to all you know, go for her. And um, my daughter had to make a decision. She could either turn on the sprinkler, spoiler alert, uh, but she could either turn on the sprinkler and um, potentially do whatever unknown thing would occur to these creatures. Um, But she can do that at the risk of activating her own weakness. She had to make that decision and she chose to do it. I think that's something that, you know, she chose to, to put herself at risk in order to save her sister that is and i don't necessarily awesome. know if that's something that happens regularly in these I, my, my experience with children is they will not necessarily put themselves at risk to save their sibling well, this this could just be my family i mean i'm i'm happy to put ethan at risk to get me <laughs> well there's there's de- i mentioned earlier there definitely is a bit of experimentation that they do with uh things like you know if I drop this on her head, will it hurt? How much will it hurt? <laughs> you know, will it hurt uh, enough? Yeah. yeah. Will she cry from this? Okay, she did cry from this. How fast can I get away before mom and dad find <laughs> that? It's it's like when a kid when a younger kid says to their older sibling, "That doesn't hurt." So the older sibling ramps it up a little bit, and right, then you're telling right. your kids off, and you're like, "Why are you hitting him?" Because he said it didn't hurt. Are you trying to yeah. get to the point where he cries and you get in trouble? Yeah, Is that the I've, end goal uh, we're going here? I raised you better that. than that. Maybe I didn't. Yeah. Wife, help me. I'm I'm feeling frail. <sighs> um, yeah. The other question we had was from an uh, Irene D. Bassett, uh, otherwise known as mm-hmm. uh, Pineapple Heretic. Um, 
clearly someone who puts Great name. clearly someone who puts an ingredient on pizza that shouldn't be there. At me. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an Australian thing. It's not, too, isn't it? No. It's not. No, it was invented. Hawaiian was invented by a Greek immigrant in Canada who had a um, a can of pineapple and he just thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll check this on a pizza. It and just it. fell on his pizza. Like, whoa. <laughs> I, All right, that's I don't feel like close. Close. That's yeah. pretty close. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's Canadian. It's not from us. We, we weren't responsible okay. for that. We have Vegemite. That's true. Yeah. But anyways, uh, getting to their question. Um, what's a piece of advice you would give your younger self about your projects? Don't. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, advice I would give is a, a uh, I guess, an outlook on what success is. People look at success as a single goal that you move to. When in fact success is a series of things, um, you can have you can find success in the completion of a goal. You could find financial success. You could find success in popularity. You could find success in achieving some kind of ethereal goal that you set for yourself. Um, uh, I've you could. I found success a lot in seeing these stories of people talking about, like people relay these adventures that they've had with their kids. Um, and that, that's like the biggest success that like, I've felt. Um, I've had a parent cry uh, because I described, uh, I showed her this section of my book on accessibility and she had, um, you know, a child with autism and just like the thought of like her thought of like the fact that it was included in the book was like overpoweringly emotional for her. And that, that was, an ex- that, that, that is, was that is success. That is a lot of success. If you, if, you, yeah, if something so. you make can just make someone feel like I belong, I'm a part of something good. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty gosh darn amazing. Yeah, so I guess um, my advice is to expand your horizon on what success means to you. That's um, good because it's everywhere. I, I will point out. Um, I've I've now I was just getting the book in front of me. Um, out of the hundred and eighty odd um, pages, you dedicate roughly. 40 pages Josh can't do math um, call it about call it just under a fifth down to okay here is how you actually play this with kids right that is very cool like we, we've had a discussion I mean you've even got like you know four to six seven to nine ten plus so you do have a bit of that stuff in the book but when you discuss accessibility my brain's like dude we need that in fifth ed we need as much, that in, in, in everything we do. Yeah, and, and you know the thing is, uh, as much as it's in the book, it's honestly not enough. Uh, when I started trying to write it, I realized very quickly that a single book can't contain enough. So that's why I branched out into accessible RPG. So that way I can create a site that can continually expand outside of the limitations of something that would be available in print. Um, and I also needed something that was 
fed by uh, the disabled community rather than something that is fed by a person like me who does who exists on the outside of that you know um, I, I think my goal in creating uh, what you have to do when you create a uh, uh, an RPG is you actually it's kind of like you have to take it like a company would you have to create a mission statement if, for yourself and I guess my mission statement was to increase um, increase uh, imaginative play between parents and children um, and when you take it from that angle then you think well am I creating a game or am I creating a system to do that uh, and that's that was my goal right? my goal was to increase that you know that was increased play with between parents and kids and that meant my book wasn't a core rule book it was a core guidebook because I want to make sure that there is guidance um, and that's why I hope to kind of structure it and then break it out and I've done that in the past with earlier iterations of power outage but I've actually break out the section on how to play with kids as its own supplemental and just make it available for free um, because it's important to me that regardless of the system that you're playing, whether it be, you know, No Thank You Evil, whether it be uh, Hero Kids, whether it be Dungeons and Dragons, or even modifying things like Fiasco or Tales from the Loop or anything like that, um, that you get out there. You, 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 you take that time to actually play these impactful dialogue-building stories, um, you know, I don't know how often I get my kid coming home from school when you ask them how their day was and they say, good. You know, you, you need to be able to expand that narrative. Um, and, and that's what role-playing games are all about, expanding narratives. I, I will also say um, this is the first TTRPG that my nephew, who is 15, uh, he's, he's living with us because he's doing like a student exchange thing. He's 15, he's Russian-German. This was the first TTRPG he has played, and now he has a massive appetite for them. To the point where I get asked a lot, hey, uh, are, we playing, are we playing something tonight? It's like, um... Nice. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> so, um, that's great. It is. Like, that's it's, it's, like, that's what we want. Like, that, that's, that's you, dude. You have made something. Thank you. That's really cool. That's fantastic. I also want to point out there's a really great like comic in the back of the book that part of me would say that should have gone at the front. It's like, this is how you bring it to kids. Page 185 people in the PDF. It's great. Um, it, it, it's lovely. And and it look, to, to kind of give my final takes on the book before I have to go back to work, um, I like this. Sorry. No. I really like this book the design work is almost like it's lovely like it's clearly very commercially very professionally done there's a lot of love and a lot of work that went into this and you can tell um pardon me sorry there was a lot of work that went into balancing this um and i think i i, I don't know if i've iterated enough there's a lot has gone into this to make this enough of a I've got it okay cool it's enough of a system for you to work with but it is more of a game to enjoy and that's lovely 
Um, Beeps, where people should go buy this right now. Where should they do that? Uh, so I'll pitch my latest seller. My newest seller is tabletoploot.com. Um, they you are, loot them they tables. Up, yeah. Uh, they picked up a, a large uh, you know, quantity and they are now selling them. Um, so when you're there, make sure you're also picking up dice because they are a fantastic community supporter. They do their gift of knowledge, which means they get, you know, TTRPGs in the hands or dice and stuff and supplementals in the hands of kids. So, you know, fantastic on them. Uh, and that's why I'm working with them a lot. Uh, outside of that, you can get it from drive through RPG. Um, and yeah, those are, those are, uh, and, uh, Indie Press Revolution also sells it. Um, so three options for you. Excellent. And people should follow you on Twitter. They should hopefully look up our, um, our other series. This admittedly is going to be first posted onto our nerdy people play D and D thing. And then it, it's going to spin off into its own thing. I even bought the domain betterhomesanddungeons.net today. <laughs> so expect more design and BDSM silliness later. Please don't expect any BDSM silliness later. It's not going to happen. I'm not doing it. <laughs> At the very least, not during our kids' show. <laughs> no, 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 no. Maybe. No. Um, Beebs, uh, that people can find you at B-E-B-A-R-C-E, I believe, if my spelling's right. Yep. Excellent. That's me. Uh, I can yeah. be found at Nerdy People D-N-D. Um, the music I will end up using is from Kevin at Incompetech, uh, because it's free. Um but in the meantime, everyone, go play games with the kids. Have fun. Beebs, it's a, it's a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I love being here. Thank you.